Hello and welcome to Bubbly Bibbly, the podcast about books and bubbles, literature and libations, authors and alcohol. We love books and bubbly. We are friends who offer a curated book review section on our website and a hilarious podcast. We discuss books, drinks, and stories from our lives. I'm Rachel. And I am Carmen. You know, Rachel, reading lists have been around as long as I can remember, and I always thought it was a cheap way to sabotage a kid's summer by mean teachers. Right? I remember when we were given one book to read over the summer. Like, even back then, they were like, just read one book. And I hated it so much because I didn't want to be told what to read. And... You know, because I knew they were giving us a book because we were going to be writing a paper on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like, well, you know, it's I, not for fun. <laughs> I was absolutely shocked to see school buses running in my neighborhood again. One day I'm on my way to work and I've got no, I'm just like straight ahead. The next day I'm on my way to work and there are 16 fucking school buses in front of me. Oh my gosh, I almost just. <laughs> that almost came out my nose. I'm laughing so hard. Oh my but, gosh. You know, I don't know why, but it seems like s- school starts earlier and earlier and earlier. But that may be because I'm getting to be an old woman. I'm telling you, summer flies by. And like you said, August gets here earlier and earlier. Now, you mentioned summer reading list. That is just to combat that very real summer learning loss that, you know, and that's in quotations. Practice makes perfect. It's not just for sports and hobbies, but it also applies to reading, I think. You know, it helps to flex your reading muscle. Yeah, yeah, and and I totally agree. There are a lot, and I mean a lot, of reading lists available out there. If you do a quick Google search There are library programs, age-appropriate book clubs, free meals or desserts if you reach your reading goals during the summer, and just so much more. Parents have a lot of choices when it comes to keeping their children reading. And you know, it's not just for kids. I've noticed an uptick on adult reading programs as well. This is a great way, I think, to keep those brain cells active. So in this episode, Carmen and I are reflecting on the time-honored reading list. Hey, Bubbly Bibliophiles, did you know that you can leave a voice message for Rachel and me? Go to www.bubblybibbly.com. Click on the contact tab and scroll down to the bottom where there's a button for you to leave up to 120 seconds of anything you want to say. We hope to hear from you. So I am drinking from Breakfast at Tiffany's something new. I'm putting this in quotations because I'm quoting the book. Something new. They call it a white angel. He said, mixing one half vodka, one half gin, and no vermouth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure why he had to specify no vermouth, but. Oh, my goodness. So you're drinking. It's half gin. (laughs) 
<laughs> Basically, it's a shot. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. You know, um, this week the daughter of a friend texted me and asked me to recommend some good wines to her, and oh, I was yum. immediately transported to when I lived right outside Philadelphia. And I told her something that I heard on a public radio show out of Philadelphia in the 1990s, which is this. A good wine is one that you like. Exactly. That's what makes a good wine. You can talk about balance and complexity and vintage and everything else. But in the end, what makes a good wine, pure and simple, is that you like it. And in honor of that... I am drinking a glass of Franzia crisp white from a box in my refrigerator. I have to tell you, I love box wine. <laughs> it's yeah, they're they're really good, and some of them have been awarded. You know, have gotten awards. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, today I just finished the Book Eaters by Suni uh, Dean. Ooh. Sunai, Suni Dean. She's British. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her first name. I've got to tell you, this book blew my mind, first off. And at the very end, they had um, like an interview between the author and the narrator. I listened to it on Audible. And it was really interesting it, this book almost came out of a challenge to see if she could do something different in the vampire kind of theme genre. Oh. The premise is you have six families and they're book eaters. They learn and eat by by eating books. A few of them. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know how much you had to drink, but you just said they learn and eat by eating books. Correct. So they learn... And they have to eat. Correct. But they eat books and they drink like ink tea. Oh, my God. Like, yes. Oh, okay. And, Carry on. And only a few of the uh, book eaters are women. And in fact, Devin, who is the heroine in this, she's only one of seven. It's kind of crazy, the whole thing. And then every now and again, a book eater is born with a different tongue and they're mind eaters and that they call them dragons. Oh my God. I am totally, totally putting this on my list. She thought it was going to be this big game of Thrones kind of thing, but then it ended up just following this one person and making it apocalyptic just in her storyline. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so much drama just for her. It's amazing. It was I can't even just, I have no words to describe exactly everything that unfolded. It's so crazy. I'm still processing it. Is there room for more like in Game of Thrones? Um, I think so. I think it could be. Yes. Cause yeah. Did she indicate on her in, in, in that interview? Talk no. that she's, mm -mm. Interesting. But I loved it that, the narrator, she made specific that the narrator was from Northern London or Northern mm -hmm. England uh, with a specific accent. Oh. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I Very guess good. in in England that makes a difference, just like it does in the United States. You know, if you've got a Boston accent or a Bronx accent or a Southern accent, yeah, it, or it, an LA, it, or yeah, uh-huh. it really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to read that. Well, I just finished the Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. Okay, tell me what you think because I read this last year. I loved it. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. So this book is in two different time frames uh-huh. in the late 1700s and current. So in the late 1700s in London, a woman is carrying on the business that her mother started as an apothecary for women. Quote, unquote. <laughs> well, well, what happens with the daughter here is not only does she give medicine to help women's maladies, she also gives them poison yes. to help them get rid of their maladies right? <laughs> you know? to help them get rid of what is bothering them. <laughs> yes. And so, okay. Now in present day, the one, this, the main character, the woman finds out that her husband is cheating on her. So it's their 10th wedding anniversary. She goes on the anniversary trip to London by herself to try to just figure shit out. And she goes mudlarking. And I had never heard of that before. Isn't that a fun word? Oh, mudlarking. Yes. So basically, they go to the River Thames as the current is going out. And they dig with their hands into the the sand or the grit or the soil, whatever is at the bottom of the Thames, and they come up with treasures. So they could come up with pieces of Delft pottery or wedding rings that were bent from women who said no to the men who asked them to marry them. Uh, but our main character finds an apothecary vial And that is what ties the story from present day back to the story in the late 1700s. And it was just so completely satisfying. I really loved every moment of this book. Yeah, I thought Sarah did a good job bringing full circle to the story, both stories. Yes. And, um... It was it was a good book. I, I I'm glad you enjoyed it. So I love though that we are unpacking these reading lists and it is quite a rich topic. So let's settle in and get this going. All right. First the downside of a reading list is that it is on the required side, and that makes it seem like work. Right. So we all know that we, no one likes to be told what to do in a, like a bossy way. And then couple that with, you have to read with a title. That's like a double whammy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. You know, there was an argument 
with many an accelerated reader list, you you had to get a certain number of points in a given time, but you could choose your own book. Every book out there really did seem to have an AR point value. Every book was an AR book. And I really didn't understand why these kids couldn't just choose a book that halfway interested them. Um, the books in almost all of the cases were not dictated. So I, I don't understand. Right. They weren't dictated, but you had to take an exam. You had to take mm. one of the tests every week mm. or something. Mm. And I think a lot of parents think that the AR uh, is not valuable in judging reading and reading comprehension. Like for my kids, I, we had kids on both kind of uh, sides of the coin here. Um, Neil loved to read, but he's like me. He doesn't like to be told what to read. He wants to read what interests him, and he is a nonfiction boy. He likes instruction, information, you know, how to do. Um, he likes to read things about how things work and how to build things and how to make things better. Emma, on the other hand, loves to read. She reads to read. She always has a book in her hand. So for her, the AR reading and the testing and the goals were much easier. I mean, both my kids are super smart. They just learn differently. And I think sometimes the AR just hits kids different. Yes. And, you know, there are, I mean, it, that's scientific. There are different learning styles. And a mm -hmm. accelerated reader may not fit some of those. Um, right. But, you know, studies also have shown that once a goal is met in reading, the reading stops. So if the goal is to meet the goal, it really doesn't encourage mm -hmm. further reading. I I don't really uh, yeah I, agree. I don't really know how I feel about this because if I'm reading a series and make my number of points or titles read, but I know that I have more books in the series and I have to know what happens next, I am not going to wait until next semester to read the book. Right. I was laughing about that too. For me, if it's a, if if I'm if I'm in a series, I have to read all in the series. Um I remember my book club we read Annihilation and that just it was just the first in the series. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, now I have to read all of them." And so I did. <laughs> I mean, and then what drives me crazy is if there are like 20 books in a series or more. And I'm like, really, dude, you couldn't like wrap this up any sooner. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, getting let, okay. Let's get away from, from AR for a minute, which you and I lived through, I think in probably what was its heyday in America's public schools, but but let's get back to the summer reading list negatives. The only thing I can think of is it's summer homework, plain and simple. That is what I always thought of. But let's look at the other side when we come back. On the positive side of reading lists for summer, the first thing I think of is that it makes 
(laughs) There's that awful word again. Oh, my God. It makes you read books that you may not and really probably would not have chosen, like Dostoevsky's, I always struggle with his name, uh, Crime and Punishment. My sons would never have read that title on their own. Mm -hmm. And I even read it with them to prove that it really wasn't so bad. But (laughs) oh my God. It was. (laughs) It so was. It was very, very bad. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's not a difficult read. It's, It's not written in some sort of esoteric way that only a savant would understand. But, you know, honestly, I can't see the appeal. And if if you've heard this podcast through the, the episodes, you all know by now that I think Crime and Punishment is a very verbose retelling of Poe's Telltale Heart, which was written years before. before. Exactly. And, you know, I'm always going to lean toward, you know, Mr. Poe, Mr. Poe and me. Oh, my God. We love us some Edgar Allen. We love Edgar. Um, I think reading lists can get, I think teachers try to set the tone for the class. And that's why they give you the book. I think they give you a heads up like, hey, this is what we're going to be learning about. This is what we're going to be studying about. It helps give the students expectations and help them come up with their own ideas and some questions that they may have with subjects that are being brought up in the reading. So I hope that teachers are using it, and I feel like they do, is to kind of set a tone and get the kids prepared because a lot of kids maybe aren't fast readers or anything. So it gives them that chance to really sort of digest the information. Yes, yes, yes. And I love how local libraries support the reading lists in schools. And so, you know, they always have a lot of books available and they, you know, some of the libraries even read through the books with the students because they're not going to do it on their own. You know, if they don't have a good family support system that's making sure that they read it. And, you know, let's be honest, a lot of of uh, households today are two-parent workers. And mm-hmm. during the summer, that's really, really hard. So kudos to libraries for stepping up to this. So, right. yeah, your libraries abs- are just the best. Yeah, they and, really know, are. So to, to think about that, they're setting the tone for the year uh, with in partnership with the local library. I really love that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I went to a birthday party last weekend for a mutual friend of ours, and she took me into her bedroom to show me what she was reading. First oh, of all, funny. I loved the fact that there were four books on her nightstand. Yay. Hello. Um, And each one was so very different from the others. There was a self-help. There was a nonfiction. There was a fiction. There was a mystery. I just loved the whole thing. Um, And then there was a smaller bookcase near the bed, but there was one book that caught my eye because it was a different size and it had an interesting cover. It was a book that she had read with her son, who I think is in either upper elementary or lower middle. 
you know, I don't know. He looks like a child in pictures, but in person right. he looks like a young man. And I would never make it at a circus age guessing. I mean, don't don't even ask me. But it reminded me of another great reason to have reading lists for students, and that is that it engages one or both parents in reading the book at the same time. And there is no better way to support your child reading, comprehending, and remembering the story as reading the book with them. Right. And you know, we, I I agree with everything you say, because that's what, that's what we did. Or like even John, because he's a little bit of a rebel at heart, he'd even just toss the book that they're reading, pick a new book, probably an Edgar Allan Poe or <laughs> who knows, James Patterson or some murder mystery, who knows, and read that to my children before going to bed. But I did want to touch on something that we talked about in a previous episode and you mentioned it earlier. And that is the fact that a reading list is all about intentional reading. Uh, yes. Um, Right. So not only may you be introduced to the classics, but you may also experience other cultures, time in history, another lifestyle, and in general, just another perspective. And we've said it over and over again. Reading is the best way to be gently introduced to something new. Oh, my God, Rachel, you are so right. I just finished a book uh, that uh, on on audio about the Dust Bowl in the Great Plains of the United States in the 1930s. And let me tell you, it was freaking intense. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I was talking about it at Sunday lunch to my mom and dad and telling about how it was so intense that maybe it was even a little bit much and going on and on about the hardships and maybe it could have been edited out some of it. And I wish some of the chapters were maybe combined. And you know what my dad said that no, what he-, <laughs> he totally, you know, the, the retired command Sergeant major never fails right. to completely tighten my screws up. But he said to me, you were only reading about it. Can you imagine what the people thought who had to live it day after day, month after month, and year after year? These were people who were watching their food supplies dwindle, their livestock die, and their children becoming thinner and thinner. They couldn't just wish for a chapter or two to disappear because it was too much. What you experienced reading it, Carmen, is a fraction of what they lived through. And you, thanks to this author, have a tiny taste of that life now. I love that. I really do. Well, Let's it drink pissed, to- you know, it pissed me off. But... He's right. He he is. He is. He is. And, and what do we always harbor And we've about? talked about it. We've talked about it. Like reading gives you that empathy. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I I did not think I would be the one to say, oh, my God, again? Are you serious? <laughs> but then these people encountered this year after year after year. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. So, you know, well, thanks, Dad. I think, yes. Let's drink a toast to your dad. And we're coming back for part three. I am going to bring the reading list into a new light because we know at an innate level that reading lists are good. They're good. We seek them out when we're no longer given any list in school. You know how? When we were young, we used to play school during the summer with your dolls and stuffed animals. Oh my God, Rachel. Did you do that? Yes. I had Barbie (laughs) teacher. She would drive up in her Winnebago, get out of her plane and go teach school. Oh my God. I, I'm so happy to hear. I I had school too, you know, and it's like so stupid because. And I think Skipper, you know, Barbie's little cousin. Yes. She actually had little desk. Yes. <laughs> well, what is familiar is comforting. So being on a schedule, like it increases our self-confidence. Don't you think? I yeah. mean, not necessarily goals, but uh, schedules. It allows us to venture into unfamiliar territories while having that familiar territory to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is true for people who are readers. You know, what's on our reading list? The reading challenge. What are you reading? Or I'm reading through the states i'm reading through the alphabet i'm reading countries oh my Um, god you know you are right because it's almost like (laughs) it's almost like the reading (laughs) challenge is the adult version of playing school oh my gosh it kind of is because you know there's stickers and everything (laughs) i I love it this is like This is the eight-year-old me going, oh, I get a sticker for a book. (laughs) But yes, there's a reason that the Pop Sugar Challenge is so popular or why reading journals are abundant on Etsy. I'm looking at you, Janet. (laughs) And the, um, well, what was that podcast? It's not on anymore, but Books on the Nightstand. They had book bingo every year, and that was a huge success. And why? Because we still need reading lists, suggestions, and categories. It guides us. It encourages us. We get that sticker. It challenges us, and it keeps us on track reading <laughs> and reading intentionally. You know, there there is a lot to be said about routine and, and mm-hmm. what is familiar. You are absolutely right, but let's unpack it a little. When I was looking at the cons of reading, I I almost wait, got wait, cons. There are no cons. You know, thank you, because I almost got a headache from rolling my eyes back in my fucking head. Here, <laughs> here were the things. It costs money. Uh the library. Thank you. It takes up time. What else are you gonna be doing? Watching TV? Thank you. It hurts your ability to connect with people. Um, hello, book clubs and podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> and people will call you names like bookish and nerd. 
Two words, Carmen. Same with me. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I love being a nerd and being part of this bookish group of amazing people is gives you life, right, Carmen? Right. And the sound of our cheering fans means it's time for Bubbly Bibbly Talk. Well, Danielle is reading Where the Crawdads Sing, Deanne is reading West with Giraffes, and Janet is reading Crazy Brave. Thanks for posting these on our What Are You Reading question. And Rachel, I saw your post on Facebook on Monday that you hope no one cried at work. Was that for me? Um... I just wanted to give you a little love, Carmen, but yes, I love you. And I don't ever want you to be upset or crying, but well, did you notice you were not the only one? <laughs> so stay strong out there, my friends, and know that you have a good book waiting for you at home. Let us know what you think of reading lists, regardless of the age. And of course, continue to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and www.bubblybibbly.com. And remember, Jim Ron said, reading is essential for those who seek to rise above the ordinary.